Previously on Two Old Farts Talk Sci-Fi. Hank, why not go up to the car to just hang out? That's right. We're, because... we're used to freezing our balls off. Hold it, was that this, the call of a loon? He has to, of course, be in that slasher film. And he also has to that be That slasher president. film? What are you acting in? It's uh, uh, an action adventure porno. Things in the realm of and, shrinkage. And, and, and did you ever, and did you ever see the movie Fle- uh, Flesh Garden? The science fiction classic. I just put a little sunscreen on my back. It's the shock to your system of being shrunk that actually kills you. And it's as creepy AF as the kids say. Significant shrinkage. I'm getting smaller, Lou, every day. That's silly, honey. People just don't get smaller. And now the conclusion of shrinkage. to part two of our shrinkage episode. The first one was on the dock at the cottage, but this one is by the campfire at the cottage. This is Too Old for Art to Talk Sci-Fi, and I'm David Clayton. And I am Troy Harkin, and David, I am amazed at your fire-building skills. This is, this is just gorgeous. Well, fire walk with me, as they say. Yeah, and you know what? You are a master fire starter, just like <laughs> just just like Drew Barrymore. You don't happen to be from the shop, do you? Uh, maybe not, or maybe I am uh, as good at, at with fire as Frankenstein in one of those early films where he's not able to speak, unlike the <laughs> actual novel where he goes fire ah, or whatever. So uh, tell me. Also, also yeah. remember the the parody one. The, yeah, the, the, Young the, Frankenstein. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah doesn't that lead into putting on the ritz or something like that or? well uh later on i think but i mean i have to say as much as i love the james whale frankenstein flicks it, it, mel brooks has kind of ruined that element of frankenstein for me because I, every time the scene happens where he goes into the hermit's the blind hermit's hut i just expect it to go into the young frankenstein bit and i crack up um <laughs> Hey, I have a little sidebar thing here. We just mentioned Firestarter, and I don't know if, if you'll, you'll get this or not, but don't, don't worry about it. Um, there's a Starsky and Hutch. I call it the Starsky and Hutch Stephen King hat trick. Do you have any idea how Starsky and Hutch, there's a three-way sort of, um, like, uh, uh, what's it called? Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon with Starsky and Hutch and Stephen King. Um, I was think ex- I was I was ponder. really yeah yeah I, I'll have to think about that because certainly the moment we're talking about a shrinkage episode you immediately the first words that come out of your mouth are freeway then I'm really starting <laughs> to be concerned here um, but you know thank God you're on the other side of the fire and, and we're roasting <laughs> our wiener weenies, weenies. Yeah. and nuts um, and nuts uh, well yeah. yeah nuts roasting by the the, the campfire. Yeah. Um, we're roasting some marshmallows. Um, yeah, gonna get some s'mores going. 
Oh, s'mores, yes. Yeah. Hey, are you a, are you an astronomy guy, David? Can you name the constellations? Like, if I point up up there and like, you know what what that constellation? Well, is? it's only a few. I mean, I can certainly point out Orion because I know Orion's belt. Yeah. Um, beyond that, uh, there might only be a few. I'm not uh, an expert when it comes to what, constellation. I can okay, what about over there? The Milky Way. Yeah. Okay. What's that? That's Uranus. Oh, sorry, you're pointing oh, yeah. upwards. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I don't know what is that. Uh, it's some stars. I'm the horror guy. You're the science fiction guy. I thought you might have an idea. <laughs> okay, I'm going back to my Starsky and Hutch. Uh, <laughs> say my Starsky and Hutch three way again. It's wow. Hat trick. My Starsky and Hutch hat trick. Well, there, I hope it doesn't relate to that disco episode because that was quite that was horrific itself. But it was yeah, 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 quite entertaining. And okay, entertaining. well, the easy one, the easy one should be Hutch. How does Hutch tie in to, to Stephen King? Well, and clearly I, I, the name Hutch somehow connects to Stephen King in some way. Okay, I'll give. Okay, Hutch, played by David Soul, was the star of Salem's Lot. Jason, do you believe a thing can be inherently evil? The Marston House, for instance. Can it be evil in its stone foundations, in its wooden beams, in the glass of its windows, in the plaster of its ceilings? Evil. Okay. So, but that's the easy one, really. Um, I guess, I'm trying to think which, the last two are sort of hard, but um, Starsky, Paul Michael Glaser, um, Directed the Running Man film with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Wow! And, and uh, Antonio Fargus, who played Huggy Bear, was in Firestarter. He's in the very first scene of Firestarter. He plays the cab driver um, that delivers Charlie and her father um, somewhere. I forget where they're going. The airport? I'm not sure. I forget. Um, so, so you know, whatever, kill me. Um, anyway, let's get on to Shrinkage, part two. Bum, bum, bum. Part two. Shrinkage. Um, one of the... I, I was checking my cell phone for a moment just because there's some... Um, useful things and some of the stuff that we've talked about before but there's for our fans of the, the podcast certainly check out uh, uh, just google a brief history of shrinking in sci-fi television now this is an article by this is from a, um, a site called me tv metv.com um, and it's from July 17, 2015 at 9.13 a.m. It's a brief history of shrinking in sci-fi television. What's cool, because they do mention some of the, the things, but, but they cover a lot of the stuff that wasn't that we haven't talked to, didn't talk about in the first one when we were on the dock. And what's cool is I know how much of a fan you are of things like the Twilight Zone and the Outer Limits. Yes, and yes. it turns out that that shrinkage... But there were a number of episodes in the Twilight Zone. There was an episode called The Invaders from 1961. Oh, right, right, here. with Agnes Morehead. Yes, a tiny little spaceman shows up at a cabin in a sombrero-sized flying saucer and terrorized an old woman. Turns out he's an American astronaut and so on. That Maybe they've given away too much here. The Twilight Zone, The Little People from 1962. Oh, I just uh, want to say too the thing. The thing about um, 
um, the invaders is that it's um, Agnes Moorhead who plays the the lead in in the show. She has no lines. It's it's entirely uh, a speechless performance. Uh, and she watches these things crawl around her house, um, and I believe. The astronauts say something, but I don't think they say a hell of a lot. So it might be just like a couple of lines of dialogue in the whole thing. Mm. So it's really a remarkable episode. Yeah, and we're definitely going to do um, Richard Matheson episode at some point down the line, and definitely a Twilight Zone. Um, I'm trying to remember which of our podcasts, the, the, the people we've had as guests, but I think, wasn't it Trevor Rhine's? that talked about his love of Twilight Zone, or was it one yes. of our other guests? It was Trevor who was, we were hoping that maybe next season yeah, that, he can can join us for a Twilight Zone episode. Yeah, there's another one from 62 called Four O'Clock. They talk about miniaturization effects of Rod Serling's serial. Um, they've mentioned this is one of the worst episodes. Um, uh, and I'm guessing it was season four. Possible. Yeah, the, yeah. Yeah, the thing with season four was those were one hour episodes. Mm. And um, the Didn't show was. Work. No, the show did much better as a 30 minute show. Yeah, and they talk about something about the clock turning to four and then shrinking. There's also an Outer Limits episode called Don't Open Till Doomsday from 1964. Do they include um, six characters in search of an exit? The Twilight Zone episode? No, they don't have that listed here. Okay. Because I'm trying to... I, you know, the bulk of the episode feels like a, the Pier, a Pirandello play. Um, mm-hmm. Where literally there are six characters in this sort of round limbo. And they don't know where they are. Um, but I believe... Like, technically, this is not a spoiler, because I'm not sure if it's it's actually the way it goes. But in the end, I think it turns out that they are toys, um, and they didn't realize it. Um, so I guess technically that is a sort of a shrinkage story. Or maybe not. Um, and of course, one of their great ones, even though I'm not sure how much it plays to shrink it, but it is um, Little Girl Lost. Episode. I guess that would be, of course, a different thing because kids, you know, uh, boys and girls are like little versions of us kind of thing. Yeah, that's a brilliant episode. Basically, the uh, the uh, inspiration for Poltergeist, really. Right. Um, now, they uh, they also list in this MeTV um, thing, they do mention, of course, what we've already talked about, which is the Land of the Giants. They also mention Super Friends. Um uh, and they have um, some kind of a shrink ray. Uh, they've mentioned some episodes like Gulliver's Gigantic Goof, The Tiny World of Terror, The Witches Arcade, The Case of the Shrinking Super Friends all relate to shrinkage. Um, there's also uh, Doctor Who's The Invisible Enemy. Um, yeah, and there was that... Yeah, there was ahead. that uh, Deep Space Nine episode that I sort of just stumbled across uh, in the winter, I think it was. Um, and the episode is uh, from season six. It's episode 14 called One Little Ship. So uh, how small are they? 
The miniaturization process won't begin until the runabout reaches the edge of the accretion disk. I see. And, uh, then they'll begin to shrink? Yes, sir. Major, are you laughing at our investigation of this subspace anomaly? No, sir. The data collected here could provide Starfleet with the key to creating transwarp corridors through space. It could give us a substantial tactical advantage over the Dominion. Yeah, it's very important research. What? I'm not laughing. Not just because we are shrinking three people to the size of coffee cups. Smaller, actually. I did not see what is so humorous about being small. Neither do I. <laughs> Yeah, and they mentioned that, that that they have on this on this site they have the Sliders Exodus episode from 1997 where Carrie Wurr is chased by this giant rabbit. But right after that, on this article, they they get right into one little ship, uh, which is the USS Rubicon shuttle is miniaturized, and O'Brien, Dax, and Bashir are inside of it. But somehow, what they do is they are able to save the day, and I guess they must get unshrinked at the end. It's been a while since I saw it, but it was some, some neat effect because you had this spaceship. Basically, it's almost like Land of the Giants because it's just this small spaceship that is able to fly around. And they're obviously trying to be undetected, so they're trying to hide behind things and stuff as they're viewing things. It's kind of a, a neat uh, effect of you trying to view um, things. So that's certainly a good example. Yeah, and a really good episode. Article. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you don't want to go back to it too much. And of course, there was one which isn't listed here, but and, and when you talk about shrinkage, you can also just talk about, again, you know, like the giant, the, the attack of the 50 foot woman is that, and, and giants, the idea of just the, the difference in comparison of size. There was that episode which many people remember from Lost in Space where the robot gets big, big, it's on its back, and you can see its light, and it's just huge, and they have to crawl inside it to repair something to stop it from continuing to increase its size. So they're walking inside the robot to try to correct something, but the moment they do, they have to get the heck out of it, because otherwise the robot will then shrink back to normal size and crush whoever's left inside it. So it's one of those episodes that really stays with a lot of people as, as a memorable episode. Yeah, I need to go back to that series. Um, I was hoping that that Netflix might have put it on because you know they're they have their their own reboot of the of the series. So I was hoping that they would actually pick up the original series. Um, maybe, well, I found maybe it somewhere. Sort of, I don't know if it was Netflix or Prime or somewhere. But what happened was, and one of the things that that, that probably doing uh, uh, an episode just on. Lost in Space might be worth it, but you could even do a full 40-minute podcast just on not the pilot of the show, but the original, unaired pilot of the show, just like Star Trek had that original, unaired pilot that they worked into the menagerie, the cage, because what they did was they did, no, that, that didn't sell, so they did where no man has gone before. But then they had the menagerie, which took the cage and split it into the menagerie part one and two. So the uh, Lost in Space had an original pilot that did not sell the show. It was played straight up. There was no robot. There was no doctor, uh, whatever his name was, um, who was a bad guy. Smith? Um, there was no Dr. Smith in it, from what I remember. And it's all played straight-laced 
not almost no humor and they're actually crashed on this planet and they're just trying to survive and it is played and it's so good and if that was the series then it would have given Star Trek a run for its money but instead they went camp they added the robot which was great they added Dr. Smith which was by the way great he was just such a great character and such a great foil and, and really made it um how were you with the uh, the film uh, with uh, William Hurt in the I guess it was the late nineties? Yeah, I was not a great fan of it. Uh, some parts of it I did like, and I always liked um, uh, the main actress in it, Mimi. Heather Rogers. Graham. Oh, okay. <laughs> right, Mimi Rogers. Yeah, Heather Graham also yeah. in it, and Heather Graham, and um, uh, there, there was another actress in it, but she's a bit young at the time. I think she's a teenager, but. Um, is great. Like, like basically, the cast is uh, pretty good. Now, who was that? That was interesting casting because they had wasn't it Joey? Uh, wasn't it Matt yeah, Matt LeBlanc, LeBlanc? Yeah, was in it, and he was probably one of the best things in that. Yeah, he didn't stink. Movie. I was, I was, I was surprised. Here's what I liked about it. You know, in the '90s, there was a ton of uh, intellectual property that was being rebooted. Um, and it was a, it was a cash in by the studios, um, and for the most part, it was um, you know highly ironic and and sort of like uh, nudge nudge wink wink. Um, and like again, Starsky and Hutch. There was a Starsky and Hutch, which I I would have liked a straight version of that, you know, because I'm I'm a fan of the series. But uh, I found it unfortunate that they had to go with this again, this like almost like the Brady Bunch reboot that happened. This this ironic version of of the show. So I was really pleased that with Lost in Space, they didn't get goofy with it too much, you know. Like they had Gary Oldman in it, they had uh, William Hurt, you know. So you've got a couple of. Uh, sort of Oscar-worthy actors in it, and they're not just, like, uh, cashing in on the nostalgia of it with a goofy, goofy version. Mm. Yeah, not the best thing ever, for sure, but, again, not too disappointing. Right. Um, another thing I found on myself, we got probably about, we're about at the halfway mark of the of this part two where we're enjoying the crackling fire I'm Holy sure the audience can hear that crackling fire, whether or not they actually believe we're at the cottage right now in front of a crackling fire or there's some special effect that's been added. We can't, we won't, we'll never tell. Um, effect. But <laughs> I never, I, I always get effect and affect uh, confused. That's one of those. And in fact. And in fact. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but there's also, the, this will probably be the last uh, suggestion for a site for people who are interested in miniaturization, shrinkage, or the size. This one is called Size Change in Fiction. Um, the, the site is Ultimate Pop Culture Wiki. So it's ultimatepopculture.fandom.com, and you just Google Size Change in Fiction. And resizing, including miniaturization, growth, shrinkage, and enlargement. Excuse me, what? Uh, is a recurring uh-huh. theme in fiction. Sorry, excuse me. Uh, pardon my whatevers. Yep. In particular, in fairy tales, fantasy, and science fiction. So it did mention a number of things that we've already covered already, like things like Alice's adventure in in uh, Wonderland. 
and but also mentions Charlie and the chocolate factory. Remember when the kid bites, takes a piece of that gum, and it starts getting large and blowing right. up and stuff like that. Um, they also mention things like the magic school bus and the food of the gods, and how it came to Earth by H.G. Wells. Yeah, it felt Some like Miss Frizzle of... was always taking the kids into the body, into human bodies at different points. Mm. Mm. They also mentioned Dr. Cyclops again, which we've already covered. There was various B-movies that they mentioned with the 50s and Attack of the 50-Foot Woman, Village of the Giants, The Food of the Gods, 1954's Them, which we had forgotten, and Tarantula, because remember the, the one with right. the giant ants? At some point, they just had whatever the thing is, like Night of the Lepus or whatever it is. Oh, yeah. Have these giant, and it wasn't that one with... McCoy was in that, wasn't he? Kelly? Yeah. Kelly was in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Giant bunnies. And didn't them have William Shatner, or am I completely out to lunch? No, no, he had one of those, like Attack of the Killer Ant. One of those had William Shatner in it. Um, Well, he was in, as you, uh, a film you mentioned on our very first show, uh, Devil's Reign. Which I was I'm surprised. Giant, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I was. I was going to say I was surprised to see Devil's Reign was in the um, listing of worst films in um, the Golden Turkey Awards book because I didn't feel it was that bad, but and it's certainly entertaining. Is anything else? In oh, there, here Dan? it is. Here it is. Empire of the Ants from 1977. Right. That's yeah. the one that had, and there's also um, Kingdom of the Spider. Like there's various things. They have large <laughs> spiders. Like what do you call it? like like uh, eight legged freaks, which yeah. is a very early film for Scarlett Johansson. You know, if I remember correctly, right? Um, but eight legged freaks and Carrie Wurr is in it also. But that's one of those um, films. I like just giant spiders, just sort of. Uh, you know, they, they just uh, scared the heck out of me. Um, anything else on your list, Dave? There. I just wanted to see who the actress was in um, uh, Kingdom of the Spiders, but it doesn't look like it says Tiffany Bowling. Because um, I thought... Um, yeah, Tarantulas. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I love when you Robert. get those... Uh, those uh, sort of early roles with folks in it, like uh, Julia Louise Dreyfus is in uh, Troll, the original Troll movie. Um, oh no! Yeah, and uh, but she's great, and in, in, you know as great as you can be in that film. Um, and Jennifer Aniston is in Leprechaun. <laughs> and looking um, like crazy young because it's it's uh, quite a bit. Well, it feels like it's quite a bit before Friends, but. Hmm. Anyway, yeah. Uh, they also mentioned, of course, Fantastic Void, which is something that I want to uh, see again at some point. Um, it, sometimes things can get a bit ridiculous in Irwin Allen. I mean, with Voids of Bob and the Sea with the Van Allen radiation belt being on fire, and at a certain point, these icebergs are falling on the sea view, and, you know, ice floats, you know, that might be something <laughs> that they may want to become... Uh, aware of and it has some great scenes of it in it uh, I think I may have mentioned this in a previous uh, maybe in our first podcast was this idea that he that, 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 um, that the Richard Basehart character in the actual film and I'm trying to remember who the heck it was um, whether Let me just, I'm just going to put another while you uh, think about that I'm just going to put another log yeah. on the fire 
Yeah, that because, over here. And, um, yeah. Oh, there we go. Yeah, here it is. Oh. Um, yeah, go ahead. We have the s'mores around, don't we? Yeah. Or I can just do a marshmallow. Yeah. Yeah, there was the film from 1964 or so. It's, uh, just let me just see here. No, it's 1961 uh, film. And that was the one. Yeah, it was Walter Pigeon was the one that played sort of the, the, the Richard Bates. Or he's the one that designed the, the Sea View. Doing retired, retired Admiral Harriman Nelson. So it's basically the same characters. And you've also got Captain Lee Crane. So that, that's basically what the series was. But this movie was amazing because there's, again, the big fights between the captain who's running the ship and the retired admiral. And there's a moment where I think they're at the UN and they have to escape because no one is accepting the fact that they have to fire these missiles into the Van Allen radiation belt to actually stop it. And the other scientists think, no, it'll burn itself out. And there's all this stuff and it's quite exciting. And there's all these people who are on the sea view on top of it as it's submerging in, in dock as it moves away. And the captain is really concerned. He said, what, what's going on? Why are you... Why are you going under the water? And look at all these guys. And, and there's a video of these people as the sea view is lowering into the water, and they're all splashing around and stuff. And, and, what are you doing? And the admiral and the ad, and the admiral is saying, "No, they can swim. They know how to swim." <laughs> it was such the perfect line from this. I, I mean, it's just um, I just loved that moment. Yeah, um, he just played it perfectly. You know, as, as I'm doing my marshmallow here, this reminds me of uh, one of the times that I went camping at Lake Simcoe. Um, um, uh, what's the name of the provincial park? Sybil Point, Sybil Point Provincial Park. Um, you know, in that area, supposedly, uh, Jackson's Point at the time was, was known as the UFO sighting capital of Canada. And... Oh. Uh, I was roasting a marshmallow and, and chatting like I am right now. And uh, the marshmallow kind of got away from me. And all of a sudden it just like burst into this, well, the marshmallow went totally black and burst into flames. And I tried to pull it out really quickly. And yes, there's innuendo there. I tried to pull it out really quickly. And the uh, marshmallow shot off my stick and it was blazing and it sort of went through the sky and somebody, I heard a couple campsites over going, a UFO at the uh, site of my, <laughs> my, my burning, flying marshmallow. So Flying I like off to, the end of your stick. Yeah, that's like, right. Who, who are you, sir? <laughs> wow. I needed, I needed to mention a couple of things here. Uh, mm-hmm. I, wanted, I wanted to talk about two musical shrinkages. Uh, one was in uh, the movie Help directed by Richard Lester um, there's a scene well the whole premise of the film is uh, Ringo has uh, found a new ring and it's sort of a religious relic of this sect and um, these guys want to get their ring back for their religious ceremony but it's stuck on Ringo's finger so they need to cut it off and uh, in the film the, the Beatles all live together in this sort of townhouse which inspired the monkeys series, the idea that these guys live together. Um, and uh, 
so one of the plans is that they're going to shrink Ringo's finger to get the ring off. But the needle with the shrinking uh, formula in it accidentally goes into Paul's leg. And Paul shrinks down. And there's a little segment called, like, the, the Adventure of Paul on the Floor. And, of course, he shrinks out of his clothes, so he's momentarily naked. And he wraps himself in a spearmint gum wrapper and hides in the ashtray. So we get a few minutes of Paul shrunken down. And in the 1968 Monkeys film, Head, um, the entire band gets shrunken down and they end up in Victor Mature's head, or at least in, in his hair, and he mistakes them for uh, dandruff and he scratches them out of his head. Um, and there you go, there's two moments of musical shrinkage. Um, and the one thing that I really always loved from my comic days was the Bottle City of Candor, which appeared first in Action Comics number 242, uh, which was July 1958. And um, so what happened is before Krypton exploded, Brainiac uh, shrunk down the city of Candor, which was a Kryptonian city, with his shrinking ray and placed it in a bell jar, which uh, you can read about in Sylvia Plath's excellent Elseworlds Supergirl saga, The Bell Jar by Sylvia Plath. Um, anyway, Superman was uh, none too pleased about Brainiac's shrinking antics, so he whooped Brainiac's ass and took possession of Candor and brought it for safekeeping to the Fortress of Solitude. Uh, by the way, David, which do you think is more of an emo super layer, the Batcave or the Fortress of Solitude? They both are fairly emo. Yeah, but I do like the Batcave, of course. How do you not like the Batcave? Yeah, and it always, I thought it was funny that Superman needed a key for the Fortress of Solitude, at least in the comics he did. It's like, how do you even hide something like that? Um, well, let's not go there. Yeah. <laughs> All wow. right. <laughs> Anywho, um, so Soups would often shrink himself and visit Candor in a in a way visiting the uh, Krypton that he never knew. Um, and in his book Super Gods, writer Grant Morrison explained uh, the symbolism of the, the bottle city. He said, but of course, when Grant Morrison is Scottish with a very very heavy Scottish probe, so you'll just have to put my voice through the Scottish uh, filter. This living diorama, this ant colony of real people, had great appeal for children, adding to the childlike nature of this era's Superman. In Candor, lost memories were preserved under glass, and Superman could go there in private to experience a world he left behind. Candor was every snow globe and music box that stood for every bittersweet memory in every movie there would ever be. Candor was the tinkling voice of a lost world, a past that might have been unreachable. Candor was survivor's guilt endowed with new meaning. So there you go. That's the, the bottle city of Candor. Um, but yeah, Dave, did you want to, we, we haven't really touched on the, the Ant-Man and Adam uh, connection in Marvel and DC Comics. Do you want me to sort of wade into that? Sure. Um, I'm just 
this, um, I've always found it fascinating just how many comparisons there are between DC and Marvel. Like if you have a specific, like you have a version of this character that has a superpower that says, hey, that person's really fast. Well, guess what? There's a version of that character in both Marvel and in DC. And then you can almost look at almost every grouping. Like you might have Hawkman or some kind of bird-like character. Right. And then guess what? You've got that version in the other one. And I think it's the same thing, of course, with Ant-Man. Is it, it, Go ahead if, if you want to talk a bit about that. No, no, exactly. And, and I think it's like most things, you know, depending on where your loyalties lie, you, you sort of like look at the other and go, what the hell's going on here? Like, there's some, some thievery at work. But then again, you know, it's like, I wonder if the Greeks were pissed off when the Romans started coming up with gods that were clearly lifted from them. You know, mm-hmm. Apollo, you think we don't know who Zeus is? You don't think we know who Zeus is? Come on. Um, but uh, yeah, because, you know, I grew up a DC fan and and yeah, so, you know, I would look at like uh, Green Arrow, for example, and then see like Hawkeye and Marvel and go, what the hell? Um, but, you know, it does go both ways. Like, um, uh, for example, like I knew Aquaman first, but then I realized that um, Namor, the, uh, the the sub, no, I always wondered, do they say Submariner or Submariner? I'll just call him Namor. Anyway, that, that Namor actually, you know, was with Timely Comics long before Aquaman was. And, uh, you know, like characters like Captain America that um, existed pre the days of Marvel that Marvel sort of inherited. Um, anyway, so the Atom first appeared in October 1941 as a diminutive hero with a ton of heart, but no actual superhero, no superpowers. Um that version was a member of the original version of the Justice Society of America. But 20 years later, the Silver Age version of the Atom was launched by DC with Roy Palmer becoming the Atom. And Palmer was a uh, physicist who made a lens that allowed him to shrink down to subatomic size. A year after that, Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, and Larry Lieber gave the world Marvel's version of a shrinking scientist superhero, Hank Pym, and his alter ego, Ant-Man. In later years, Scott Lang would take over the Ant-Man mantle. Um, In the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Paul Rudd would play Ant-Man, while Brandon Routh, who previously had played everyone's favorite Kryptonian, uh, brought the Atom to life on DC's Legends of Tomorrow. And I've got to tell you, Dave, I'm really liking that show. Uh, Ever since our... um, our preview show. I've been watching a lot more of that, and I really do do enjoy it. So um, you don't. Uh, I was going to say, if you had to choose, you know, who would you go with, or you're not really. Uh, Does it matter to you, Dave? Uh, not really, but I think just what they were able to do in the Ant Man film, um, and that with the effects and just the, the the quality of it, I would probably have to go with the Ant Man. Yeah, actually, I do quite like the films, and you know, Paul Rudd does a great job mm. as the character. Um, let's see. I think I had. I was going to give you a speed quiz. If I can try in all my pockets here for my notes for the speed quiz. Well, while you're doing that, it's nice finally to get out to the cottage and just have a nice easy episode we're just you know shooting the shit so to speak and, and yeah. hanging out because you know there's no special guests for these two shrinkage episodes um 
I'll, and we're not doing, uh, you know, the casting, the out of the outside the box, and the uh, dream casting. Um, and we're not doing a lot of the, the stuff we normally do. And just there's another fly on my arm. Oh but, damn it! What are you um, gonna do? Yeah, yeah, but it's it's nice just to take a break because we will be back with probably a back to school episode and then one that will uh, look at Ray Bradbury and some other things and, and it'll be nice getting back to it but it's nice to sort of just take a nice leisurely break and just hang out a bit before we get, uh, get into having the guests come back and so on but anyways have you been able to find your, uh, your yeah yeah okay so this is just something I came up with as I was getting a uh, heat stroke on the dock earlier today um I call it my shrinkage speed quiz uh, for you, David. There's 10, 10 options, well, 10 questions, each with two options. And I guess there's no right or wrong answer. Again, people can pass judgment however they like because people like to pass judgment. Um, okay, are you set? Are you ready? Yeah. yeah. For This is our, our rapid fire for this episode, I guess. Okay, Pluto the planet or Pluto the dog? I would go with Pluto the planet. Hervey Villachez or Vern Troyer? Vern Troyer. Nice. PEI or Rhode Island? I would have to go with PEI. Okay. Uh, the Littlest Hobo or Benji? Littlest Hobo. Okay. And by the way, uh, hobo is not the preferred nomenclature. In the parlance of our time, it would now be uh, Littlest uh, uh, Underemployed Canine. Um, Liechtenstein or Vatican City? I might go with Vatican City. Okay. Danny DeVito or Rosie Perez? Wow, that's a tough one. Rosie Perez. Ronnie James Dio or Prince? I think I'd go with Prince. Uh, Mookie Blaylock or Spud Webb? (laughs) I would have to go with Mookie Blaylock. Okay. The original name for Pearl Jam, by the way. Um, Tweaky the Robot from Buck Rogers or Irak the Robot from the Wonder Woman series? I'd probably go with the robot from the Wonder Woman series. Okay, and Timbit... Oh, Stan Twiggy, sorry about that. Oh, there you go. Just... Okay, no problem. Yeah, I didn't like that head thing going on there. Uh, Timbits or McDonald's Little Donuts? Oh, Timbits. All right. There we go. That's kind of like your Blade Runner test, I guess, there. Yeah, I may have um, picked too many Canadian ones, but that's just the way I am in some cases. <laughs> All right, should I... Is it is it time for me to open the guitar case? and? Yeah, because we've got about 15 seconds left. <laughs> we sort of timed it well with the 40 minutes, because uh, we're sort of doing these two shrinkage episodes, one on the dock and one by the fire, as shorter episodes and the alarm is going off so that way we don't have to worry about oh you know, i like that wind chimes i like the yeah, wind yeah, chimes just a little uh, alarm. so that was a 35 minute mark roughly so if we wanted to finish up any final thoughts or anything else or do you have anything i mean um is well, you could at the end of your sticks or um that, yeah i'm not sure you want, me to, marsh, do you want um, me to marshmallow you sir <laughs> please double 
double. You know what's uh, neat is that you're either what you're either for it or against it. When it comes to roasting the marshmallows, there are some people like I like it just brown, right? Like right, lightly brown. But some people actually have it on fire, yeah. blow off the fire, burn it to char, and then eat it. I like the middle ground there, where it's like where it's got almost a crust to it. Um, yeah. But I realized this year, because we at home we have uh, a fire pit that we use a couple times, uh, mm. not every week, but throughout the summer. And um, I've, I've realized after doing marshmallows more than I would actually probably like to, that um, <laughs> I actually like the taste of it more than actually the experience of eating a marshmallow, <laughs> like whether it's roasted or not. It's like... Yeah, I could almost like just put it in my mouth and spit it out after a while because I don't really want that going through my system anymore, um, you know, being an old fart. Yeah, this um, being a podcast, our fans can't actually see how we're honoring the shrinkage episode by actually <laughs> having those uh, skewers, these bamboo little bamboo skewers, and we have these mini marshmallows on the end of these little bamboo skewers just in honor of the shrinkage episode. So, so we're pretending that the larger standard marshmallow is actually shrunk down to one of these mini marshmallows. So we've actually put a couple mini marshmallows on bamboo skewers and we're actually heating those up just in honor of this episode. So it's quite a wonderful moment. Yeah, you know, we should have hit up uh, either uh, um, Viagra or Cialis for some some uh, sponsorship for this show. Well, let me let me pull out the guitar here and uh, okay, pull it I'm, out. I'm gonna uh, gonna play for you a song. Uh, I was inspired to write it today. Um, it's called Shrank, and <laughs> um, it's uh, it just seemed like the appropriate thing, you know, campfire sing along type thing. And uh, I've actually I have posted uh, the lyrics as written, like I typed it out on the. Uh, the, the, the porch before I came up today and uh, so well, we can put that on the podcast for sure yeah, just yeah. give me one second because I want to just get this last little slurp for you oh, yeah I should I should do that too cheers man cheers thanks for uh, this uh, this day at the uh, 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 Lake Dalek and the uh, the clink cottage yeah good clinking glasses earlier for sure and great episode. And by the way, this is, just in case we miss it at the end, this is Two Old Bards with Troy Harkin and David Clint. And Troy is going to be playing an original uh, piece in honor of our shrinkage episode. So take it away, Troy. Once you were a big man, it going on? Once you
you go, Shrank. Very nicely done, Troy. Very nicely done. Thanks very much, David. And that's been our episode, and we look forward to September when we will be back with a back-to-school special. So until then, this is David Klink again. And Troy Harkin. See you next time. Thanks. Ciao. Ciao.